Hello, and welcome to our Merkle B2B podcast, Demand Generation Connected, your blueprint for building best-in-class demand generation experiences. In each episode, subject matter experts from across Merkle, B2B, some of my colleagues, the wider Dentsu Group, and some of our trusted agency partners will be bringing their expert advice into how we build and run successful brand-to-demand experiences. This is a four-part series. Today, we will be starting where any good marketing program should be in research and touching on some of our own proprietary research at Merkle B2B. We'll follow this up by focusing on um, the value of creating connected experiences by bringing sales and marketing teams together, as well as everything else involved to create a connected journey for our customers. We'll then touch on the importance of media partnerships, talking to a couple of our favorite partners and discussing all around different media activations that we can do within demand generation. And then we'll be finishing off this series and talking about everything that happens post demand generation, CRM, automation, and the value of analytics. So for today's podcast, I'm joined by two fantastic colleagues. Um, first of all, uh, we have Simon Calver, Chief Strategy Officer at Merkle B2B, who is um, leading the charge all around our uh, B2B proprietary research, B2B superpowers, which today's episode will be focused on. And then also Sheer Impossible Weight, Senior Account Director at Merkle B2B, sitting within the paid media team and somebody who I've been working with over the last six years. Sharon um, has uh, a lot of experience in building demand generation media experiences, uh, content syndication programs, and different content marketing programs, and um, is in a situation of using a lot of the research, such as from B2B Superpowers, directly into her efforts with the clients that she works with. So to kick this off, um, Simon, it'll be good because of the, it's going to be a foundation of a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. It's all around B2B Superpowers. Um, but before we jump into that, I'll be very keen to, to kind of get your point of view because uh, lead generation to demand generation has been a topic that's been discussed discussed to death. There's been a lot of different considerations around this. So we're, we're keen to kind of take take it back to the roots, take a step back and, and look at market research, something an area which often, um, admittedly, is an area which marketers leave behind and they don't put enough focus into it. So on that 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 the focus of dialing back with B2B brands, what is your point of view of the value of market research with driving demand generation success? Uh, I think it's very important because what it allows us to understand is what clients and customers want at particular stages on the journey. And if you get those brand experiences right, then you are more likely to convert sales. So that understanding applied will generate better business results. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Um, and to move straight onto it, then um, the, the the theme for today, B two B superpowers, our research, which has just gone through its third um, iteration, it'll be get, great to get from you an overview of what everything B two B superpowers is about, um, how it's evolved to this third iteration from the first two, um, and start to give us a taste of how we are using the findings with our clients. As you rightly say, it's our third year, and uh, we've evolved it this year to be much more focused on business outcomes. So the idea of what is more likely to give you a better chance of converting a sale um, is essentially kind of the core focus of it. Uh, And the way it basically works is we have an understanding of what the commercial outcomes can be. We understand customer journeys. We understand what people think on those customer journeys. We understand what people do. And we've also built a model which allows us to identify what the kind of high gain brand experience elements are that you need to use to drive people along that particular journey and get to the converted sale, basically. So we're thinking it 
of it this year has been much more kind of an outcomes-based model that allows us to help clients build what we call in culturally relevant brand experiences that are more commercially powerful. Fantastic. And there is a lot of market research available, of course, um, across the whole ecosystem. Some, a lot of it more skewed towards the consumer space. Of course, we as an agency sit within the B2B space. Your point of view with, with B2B superpowers, what is the, the main USP, so to say? What, what makes it unique from, from other pieces of market research? Uh, I think what makes it unique is we've actually done something very simple, which is we've contacted people who've recently been on a journey understood what the made the difference between success and failure on that particular journey, and then we've scaled it to kind of a meaningful model. So we've very much taken the buyer perspective on what matters to them in terms of a brand experience. Um, it is, we believe, the world's largest survey, and it focuses very much in on B2B only, and in particular, it focuses in on four key verticals, uh, professional services, manufacturing, financial services, and probably most interesting today, technology. And it helps us understand the differences and the similarities between what people want on those buying journeys in those four verticals. Fantastic. And how, how have you seen it develop, um, again, as it being the third iteration now, from the first one to the second until this one? Uh, I think the first area is we've made it more commercially focused, hence the idea and outcomes model. I think the second is we've got better at understanding what takes people out of market and puts them into play. I think the third thing we've done this year is we've factored in uh, things like, for example, sustainability agendas, which are obviously super important these days. Uh, and then the fourth thing will be that we've also factored in how different company cultures make a decision. So big difference between entrepreneurial businesses that you might be selling to and hierarchical business, for example. And I think these are kind of like the main areas that we've evolved this year. Okay, fantastic. Okay. And if we're going to start diving into the research then, uh, enough around it, but the actual research itself, um, what are the main and most exciting headline findings um, that would be worth talking about um, today? The first one's not great, uh, which is it's getting harder to win a sale. Uh, the second one is that kind of the shape is changing of a compelling B2B brand experience. Uh, and in the technology space, there are six kind of new things that you should be doing. They've got new levels of importance this year. But the third thing is probably the most encouraging, which is if you do those things and you do those things well, and we have examples of brands that are doing that, then you are more likely to win the purchase. So actually, it might be getting harder, but we're starting to unlock what makes the difference between success and failure. Okay. And what, what it, in your point of view or from the research, what is driving um, that element of it being harder to win? Is it down to competition? Is it down to smaller demand, smaller wallets from, from audiences? What, what, what's driving that? I think what we're seeing is that uh, people are taking longer. They're considering more people. Um, they're more likely to churn the incumbent. It's 31% more likely to lose this year versus 24% last year, for example. Um, and that is just creating an environment which is much more competitive. Okay. And do you, do you think, does that does that give an environment which is more beneficial to certain types of companies, for example? If you're saying the, uh, it's being, being harder to be the incumbent as well, does that make it better for challenger brands, to, for, for newer brands in the marketplace, or is it not that, that straightforward? I think it is very simplest level. Uh, if you understand what you're doing, and this research helps you understand that, whether you're the incumbent, whether you're the challenger, you've got a better chance of getting it right. So I think it plays much more to kind of people better understanding what customers really want, what their expectations are, and how you deliver against those in a meaningful way. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Um, from re reading the research, I've closely followed all the different iterations. It's, it's, it's incredibly powerful for us 
within the team that I sit in, for example, all around um, creating paid media experiences, but then working closely with our, our content teams, our research teams. There's, there's multiple different ways in which we have applied the research in the past and will apply it um, going forward. Um, the fundamental of it is, is based, as I understand, all around uh, the ingredients which, which drive success. And so uh, the things which B2B buyers are putting their hand up and saying, these are the elements that are most impacting the things in which um, are, are driving the experiences that we've had with different B2B brands. So if we're looking at the research um, for, for this year, what, what are those ingredients which are, being, which, which are most impactful and most important for B2B buyers? Yes. So um, as you rightly say, uh, we've mapped the kind of what we call the 30 key ingredients. Um, so the different things your brand experience should be doing. Uh, in each case, we ask people to have a think about a journey they'd recently been on and to understand what made the difference between success and failure. And in the technology space, we discovered two things uh, this year. The first is that um, 11 things of the 30 are as important this year as they were last year. But six things have become newly important. Um, and those six things are, in terms of talking to the business and what the business is interested in, the ability to demonstrate the brand experience you can help them drive productivity. The second one is you actually give them the right level of not just information expertise, but also support. And the third thing is, the, and it's very much given the kind of world we've been in uh, recently, your products and services can be customised. So there's kind of three key things that talk to the business, and those are newly important this year versus last year. The second group of three, the technology space, talk very much to the person buying on behalf of the business, so the individual, if you like. Um, and those are really quite soft values, but they've become increasingly important this year. Uh, the first one is just the brand generally aligns with your own particular point of view of the world, your personal values and ethics. The second one is that as a business, you're known as being a good employer. And the third one is that you clearly demonstrate that you're living a culture of diversity and inclusion. So you've got three things that talk to the business and you've got three things that talk to the people within the business. Uh, and those things have become newly important this year versus last year. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, and then from, from, from our point of view, the way that we've shaped the, the research by looking both on the business side and the personal side, do, do, you, do you feel like both are equally important when it comes to these, these experiences with brands that should... Um, should, uh, should clients be putting as much focus on, on driving those personal experiences as, as well as driving the value at a business level? Is, is it equal or do you feel a little bit more weighted on either side? I think I could talk more to the change. Uh, in the last three years, we've seen more emphasis aligned towards talking to the buyer acting on behalf than the business. Uh, it's not quite kind of across the 50-50 threshold, but definitely it's become much more important to talk to the individual as much as the business. Because ultimately, these people are um, staying in their jobs for less time. They're looking for their own personal sense of kind of uh, reward, remuneration, but also career development as well. So you're trying to help them as much as you're trying to help their business, basically. Yeah, okay. Do you think, that, do you think it's also an element of um, uh, a B2B audiences? It's, it's not really B2B versus B2C so much, which again is a topic which, which probably gets talked to death a little bit too much, but um, expectation for, 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 for consumers, let's say, to be having the same experience that they would with a B2B brand and so from to a, to a B2C brand. And so from a personal experience, they expect it to, to have the same values and the same, the same experience. Is that fair to say? Uh, it's similar in terms of it's as much about the individual now as it is about the business. Um, and that kind of softer stuff is becoming far more important as organisations take steps and are being held increasingly accountable for how they look after people, 
how they look after suppliers, how they look after the world in general. So um, I think because of the business climate is shifting much more that way, it's not unsurprising that's what we're seeing coming through as being much more important in terms of the decision drivers that are making the difference between success and failure. Okay, okay. That's all really interesting. I think some very, very important findings there, some very important data points and facts that could be used in a multitude of different ways. But if we were going to kind of give a few directive ideas in regards to how brands and B2B marketers could use some of this data, Simon, what are your points of view? What are the main applications of of this type of research? I think the main application is, um, the first thing is to understand what the important decision drivers are ingredients you should focus on. The second part is because we've done this research at scale, we can understand what takes people out of market and puts them into play. We can also understand when you take that journey from kind of broad consideration through to understanding kind of the detail of an opportunity all the way through to committing, we understand uh, what ingredients make a difference at what stage, so what move you along that particular journey. And we also understand what creates for a successful in life experience as well. And of those six nearly important decision drivers I talked about, they play different roles at different stages. So actually, the ability to kind of know it's that stage we should be doing this, it's that stage we should be doing that, is essentially what this research talks to. And again, get that right, and the commercial outcomes are much more uh, positive than the brands that don't get it right in the survey. Okay, fantastic. Um, Sharon, Sharon, I'm going to come to you now. Don't mind, thanks for waiting <laughs> waiting there uh, patiently. Um I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you're with me. A lot of what Simon's saying is, is really interesting, really, really important, and I think really defining for a lot of the work that we do. But just to, just to take a step back, obviously you are involved with the development of different demand generation paid media programs with different uh, B2B um, global regional brands that we, that we, that we partner with. Um, it'll, be, it'll be great to hear your point of view to, um, to superpowers, but also more generally market research data, these types of things. How do you take this type of information in order to fuel those approaches that we work on with our brands? Yeah, so I think the key thing for us on the side of media planning is that data and market research has to be the foundation of all of the activity we do. It needs to be the first thing that we do, because I think Simon's made it really clear how vital being market oriented is on paid outreach and then at the end business outcome. So we have to begin strategic planning with understanding who the audience are, what they like, what their challenges are, what their needs are in order to deliver smarter marketing to them and and deliver better results at the end of it. Um, So I think, again, it it has to be that baseline. So, for example, um, Simon pulled out from the research that we, we can see that people, individuals who are part of decision making processes are really keen to see partners align with their own ethical and environmental standards. So if we as brands or if we as the agency can inform our brands to make sure that they're putting clear and meaningful sustainability and DNI policies in front of their audience and not necessarily um, in paid approaches, but just making them clear, making them accessible on their websites so that people can start to see them as a trusted um, and legitimate brand that they personally want to work with. Um, as well as things feeling safe of recommending that brand internally. Um, And on that theme of safety, that also comes out really clearly in this research. Again, Simon mentioned these decisions can feel really personal to the decision makers that are part of this team because their careers can hinge on these big decisions if something goes wrong or if they make the wrong decision. So this, this point about 
brands needing to be approachable, needing to be transparent and being there to provide the information, to provide the expertise, to provide great customer service are equally really, really important. And again, without this kind of data, without this market research, without starting your strategy here, you can't deliver to your customers what they want and your results will not be as good. I couldn't agree more. Thanks for that. Um, and if we take that into um, more of a, a campaign point of view, a, a paid, paid media point of view, um, and to kind of to be blunt, to commercialize this a little bit, um, if we're, we're we're taking some of these findings and the things that we've been talking about today, how could how can leading B two B brands because we leading research, it's, it's some, some 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 data points that um, are not gathered in any other way, as Simon was talking about before, how can leading B two B brands take the snippets of information that you, you were just chatting through and Simon was covering before into specifically into their content marketing approach. So how can they build content and experiences which leverage these types of points? Yeah, so I think assuming that you've done that initial step of tapping into your audience and identifying what their needs and their challenges are, I think the next step is to define your content strategy. And actually a lot of a big topic that we're all discussing at the moment is personalization. So you might then go through to segment your particular topics that you want to focus on that your brand can align with uh, legitimately. Um, and so you might segment your content into those buckets and start to have a look at how they can be personalized to the audience. Um, and I don't necessarily mean on an individual basis because in B2B marketing, that can be really difficult, but actually finding ways to segment your audience. So for example, by industry or by uh, job function can be a really good way to create content that will specifically call out the needs and challenges of groups of audiences. And that could be a really good way to make your brand come across as being relatable and offering that kind of level of information and expertise that your audience are looking for. Um, So I think the key thing is not to rush into it, consider who it is you're trying to speak to, what your product has to offer and how that can meet with the needs and challenges of the audience. Um, And then you might start to think about what kinds of assets are useful. Um, So then you have to think about the kinds of decision makers that are going to be in the room or even the influencers that are going to be part of that long-term journey and what kinds of content are going to be useful for them. Are they time poor? In which case you might create really short, snappy information. Actually, are they... Is this the IT manager or IT director who's involved in research and therefore wants a really big depth of information and content and therefore kind of webinars and more long form thought leadership content might be really good for them. So I think the key thing then is to really consider who they are and what they're going to need to help them make this journey. Um, And we know that uh, from a lot of research, we see that um, peer influence and peer opinion are really key elements in this journey so I would also suggest that getting influencers involved is really important but also more specifically potentially case studies can be really really powerful tools in a B2B marketer's arsenal um, because you can without shouting about it yourself allow customers to shout about why they think your product's brilliant and how it has had a real impact on their business. Brilliant. And thanks. Yeah, thanks for touching on uh, peer and influences at, at the end there, because I was going to ask a follow up question around um, to build on the last point around environments. So we've spoken a lot about the, the different types of content um, that, and the different ways in which 
marketers can take can take this data to build out their approaches in terms of what's actually delivered. But if we're talking about how it's delivered and where it's delivered, so where B two B marketers are, are, are seeing are seeing the content that's, that's created, for example, what learnings do you feel like an application do you feel like you can take from everything else Simon was talking through before? So I think the key thing to consider is that you might have a business application and a business environment, um, but also we are trying to reach out to people who are emotive and who have their own needs and desires and spend their time online, maybe during work hours and maybe outside, where they choose to be. So I think context can be really key, especially if you want to be showing up in a professional environment. Um, So, you know, IT and tech content websites, business websites, um, can be really vital to create context and create uh, and to get brand alignment from premium brands that can be really brilliant um, but actually you know what we do know again back to this point of people being human beings we spend our time all over the internet and so within specific bounds um, of environments that you might specifically definitely not want to show up and I think it's important that we that we treat our customers as humans, even in this B2B world and, and catch their interest where they're choosing to spend their time. Fantastic. Um, I'll actually come back to you, Simon. It'd be good to get your point of view in regards to everything that Sharon's just been talking through here. Do you, do you, would you say that you agree with everything that Sharon's saying or are there other areas of consideration that you'd like to talk about? So Sharon's point about context. Um, I think it's really important for um, you also to have a look at the competitive set that you're competing against. Um, Microsoft really does really well at the uh, whole um, decision driver about the kind of the idea of uh, having a culture of diversity and inclusion. Um, and actually, if you look at what they do, they do all the right things you should be doing in terms of gender and ethnicity. But actually, they're pioneering in the neurodiversity space, which sets them apart from their competition. So I think it's also important to understand not only the media context you appear in, but also the competitive context, the people you're competing against. And are you doing more than them in these particular spaces? Brilliant. Okay. Um, it's going to come back to you, Sharon. Um, Simon mentioned Microsoft as a, as a as a brand that's doing this well, um, so it'll be good to kind of focus on that a little bit then and talk about your point of view um, when you're thinking of successful B two B brands and what that means in terms of innovative, impactful content approaches. For example, what are the things that we are currently leveraging at Merkle B two B with said brands? So, I think the the, the key thing that kind of I want to make clear is that demand generation is not a solitary section of the purchase journey or how we should view that journey as marketers. Um, It's dynamic and it changes and it's different for individuals. Um, And so that key point of influence that we're constantly searching for can happen at any moment. Um, And so it's really important that when we're thinking about demand generation, we're thinking about brand experience, as Simon's already talked about, and that we're in market at every stage in order to ensure competitive success. Um, One thing that we've been um, doing a lot of work on internally with our clients is messaging and journey personalization, um, which is a really great way of, again, tailoring the content, tailoring the outreach, the messaging for different stages of that journey, um, specific and tailored to um, those audiences. And I know that that's something that's going to be discussed a bit more later in the series, so I won't delve into that too much. Um, But I also want to touch in on this point about exceeding customer expectations to drive that demand. So we've seen a really good example in market from Verizon, um, who are really good case studies for this. So 
they listened to their audience, they understood that their audience needed vendors to provide them with information, expertise and support, something we've already been talking about today. And they made this a really clear focus for their demand generation activity. So they created a hub that had loads of expert tools and all of this was free so that their audience could go in and get the information that they needed. Um, They created a showcase center, which housed loads of customer success stories and case studies um, and thought leadership. Um, And then they created a webinar series of uh, trending topics and loads of articles. So again, they were kind of exactly offering their customers what they understood that they needed. And by meeting the identified customer needs, Verizon were able to show up as a really trustworthy, thought leader, helpful partner that could help these businesses transform their business. And I think that word help is really important. And that is a brilliant foundation for trust and developing consideration for the brand. Uh, really, really interesting. Thanks, Shiran. I can't agree more. Um, trust is um, a very, very hard thing to do as part of marketing, as part of advertising. But if you get it right, and there are a number of brands such as what you shared, um, if you do get it right, you do connect with individuals, both on that personal level, which we've spoken about so much um, as part of today, but also on a business level as well, because businesses want to know that they can work with with, um, with other businesses that they can uh, they can trust. Um, just final question, um, coming back to you, um, um, Simon, um, and maybe maybe I'm asking a little bit a little bit early now, but if we're if we're taking this and looking forward, um, we've just completed the third iteration of superpowers. But from your point of view, how would you like superpowers to move on for, into its fourth, into its fifth iteration moving forward? Um, I think we'd like to expand it to other verticals. Actually, um, it's something which we've got working really well now for the four verticals we know and understand and they're big important verticals but there are other verticals out there as well so the idea that we can actually roll it out to other sectors like for example energy for example that would be really interesting brilliant awesome very exciting okay thank you very much both thank you simon thank you sharon it's been a fascinating discussion thank you for your time hopefully everybody listening has, has learned a thing or two and has got a taster of B2B superpowers. If you're interested in learning more about it, please reach out to us. We can we can discuss, we can find some time. Um, but again, thank you very much for both my guests. Um, as I mentioned at the start, this is uh, episode one of our four-part podcast series. On the next, next episode, I'll be joined by two more very special guests to discuss all about how we bring full marketing to sales and ecosystem experiences together in order to build a whole connected experience as part of demand generation. So... Hope to see you on that one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good soon.